0: Quick Hits on a Friday, September 16th. I'm going to try and squeeze in a, a quick episode. All of these are, are quick. That's the name of the show, but we're going to try and get these in before I have to go to work. Uh, had a, a couple of meetings this morning that um, I don't want to say I forgot about, but I, I forgot about. So Quick Hits, Friday morning, going to go over a Thursday Night Football recap, talk about some of my favorite plays for the Week 2 slate. Um, before we get into all of that, make sure to follow uh, ooh, follow myself on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Uh, make sure to follow my other podcast, Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast with my friend Teddy Pristash. That is on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing 69. Uh, follow all of my Sports Illustrated work for the Jets at uh, Jets Nation. They always change the name of it, so I'm going to pull up what it actually is right now. It is Jets Country now. I feel like it's changed three times since I've worked there, but Jets Country. I uh, got some, some pieces coming out on College Prospects tomorrow, previews of the uh, Ravens game coming up, or the Browns game coming up on Sunday with them. Uh, so Thursday night football in the books, um, you know, it was a good game, but kind of one of those clunky ones where I think everybody expected just an offensive outpour, and really, all you got in the end was you know the, the Chargers being the Chargers, the Chiefs being able to sneak a few points by, and then Herbert being Herbert, um, which despite getting torn up by the, Chets, the the Chiefs' defense and just absolutely demolished, um, and, and obviously the injury to his rib area um, at the time of this recording, we still don't know uh, what exactly happened there and what his injury, uh, the extent to his injury is. But Chiefs pull out a win despite Herbert really giving his all at the end there with a ridiculous fourth down throw after looking like he couldn't even throw the ball out of bounds. Obviously, they find the end zone on that fourth down as well, too. Um, good middle day for me. Gambling wise, I had taken the chiefs, uh, when they were minus three and I bought a half point. So got them at two and a half early in the week. Um, and then when the chiefs went up 10, took a live, ch- uh, chargers plus seven and a half great middle, great way to start the week was also heavily on the first half under there. Um, and that hit with ease. It was 27 and I think it was 10 to seven going into halftime. Um, takeaways, uh, yeah. I've already said that I believe that the Chiefs are just a wagon, and I think they're a very good team. And I think they looked a little sloppy um, today. You know, uh, Mahomes two thirty-five, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was efficient on the ground, eight for seventy-four. Um, and then the offense, you know, they're still trying to sprinkle everything around. It is so um, nice to see this version of Patrick Mahomes, where you're not just locked onto your two stars that both deserve the ball as many touches as you can get them. But it's nice to see, you know, Miko, Clyde, Valdez-Scantling, Juju, uh, you know, this new guy, Justin Watson, in there getting the long touchdown, sprinkling it into your other tight ends as well, too. It's nice to see this offense have volume, Um, and I think that was kind of where it would get a little bit too restricted. If you could shut down Tyreek, yeah, you're going to feed Travis Kelsey, but... You also need to be able to rely on your number two wide receiver or your number three and and sprinkle it into your running backs in the backfield. So um, I know with Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, we got peak Mahomes and just the eliteness that he shows and, and just the amazing deep shots and finding Kelsey again and again. We are seeing the most efficient version of the Chiefs. Offense in this moment and in this season, and and that's what happens when you have a a deep wide receiving room. And it's not that you know Miko plus Juju plus Marquez Valdez Scantling equal Tyree Kill. It's just there's so many ways that you can now challenge a defense. Where yes, the ultimate challenge is having to put two people on Tyree Kill going deep and have you know have a safety covering him at all times. You know behind the corner, and yes, you're going to put a lot of attention to Travis Kelsey in the middle, but there's there's a benefit to having multiple, multiple people on the field that you can always go to in a pinch. And, you know, if there was ever a game where Kelsey's a little banged up or the defense has figured out how to stop Tyreek, where does Patrick Mahomes go? He he sits around in the pocket too long. He improvises too much. Now with a a deep wide receiving room uh, of, of some guys in here, uh, the efficiency is off the charts. And I, I really think we may not get the sheer numbers of peak Mahomes in that Kelsey Tyreek era, but we are going to get the most efficient version of him, which is probably most helpful for this team's aspirations of winning. Um, and, and so that was really exciting to see. Their defense is phenomenal. Their offensive line is one of the best in the league. Um, for the Chargers, you know, you get J.C. Jackson back. You're without Keenan Allen. You only lose the game by three, and, and that's with a wobbled Herbert for you know those final drives there. Um, it was a game of, of opportunities. Um, obviously, the pick six was abysmal, um, you know, and, and, and that really is the difference maker in the game here. But there were a few other dropped interceptions of Mahomes and, and just these boneheaded plays. Um, still one of the best teams in football, still, you know, one of the top three to four teams in the AFC uh, there is some concern. You you wonder, you know, obviously the biggest concern is waiting to see how long we are going to be without Justin Herbert or if he's ready to give it a go um, next week. But um, that's one thing to keep your eye on. And then the other, you know, we're a year and a few weeks in now um, of the Brandon Staley era. I don't have doubts because I do think he's a good coach and I think the players really love him. Um, I do just like... There is a benefit to having an offensive head coach versus a defensive head coach when you've got one of the premier offensive talents in all of football. And I think that you can still get these great offensive coordinators, but at the end of the day, if the head coach has the say of how he wants this offense to run, I think right now they're limiting a lot of this Chargers offense with a lot of deeper concepts. You know, Herbert should be chucking it down and not doing these dink and dunks uh, up and down the field. You know, you need to maximize what makes him best. And he is an assassin on intermediate to deep passes. Um, so for Los Angeles, I still think they're, you know, one of the best teams in football, obviously one and one now with a, you know, five point victory over the Raiders and a three point loss to the Chiefs. This is what the division is going to be. You are going to beat up on each other, I think outside of Kansas City, because I do think they are the the class of the division. Um, but I, I'm not sitting here just throwing the panic button on the Chargers just yet. Yes, it would be great if, you know, Kevin O'Connell or, you know, uh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid were all coaching Justin Herbert, um, but but the team is very good. The offensive line does need to play a little bit better there, and obviously as they lost one of their interior guys that really was the difference maker, and, and Chris Jones was all over Herbert in that second half. I think it was Lindsley that went down, um, but... Yeah, all in all, just a, a really strong performance by the um, by the Chiefs. There, Chargers still hung around because that's what Justin Herbert is going to do uh, for the next fifteen years, and a good a good kickoff for the uh, Thursday Night Football era on Amazon. I also I, I like the crew that they've got. I thought Herb Street and uh, Al Michaels uh, did well together. So, uh, those are my thoughts on uh, Thursday Night Football. Chiefs now two and zero with a twenty seven to twenty four win over the now one and one Los Angeles Chargers. All right, so now looking ahead to the rest of the week two slate, kind of like last week, I want to give my three more confident plays. Um, one of mine was the the Chiefs uh, at minus three, which ended up as a push. I know I said earlier in the pod that I took it at two and a half early, 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 um, but I, I went with three on the gambling card just because that, you know, it honestly, it got up to four, and so I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, I bought a point and a half. No, I just took it early, um, so I went with a three there. So one of my stronger plays off to a push, which... Whatever. Um, Better than a loss. But we're going to go through three of my more confident plays for week two, talk about the games themselves and the storylines involved. Uh, The first one that I want to start off in, and it's a team that I faded um, in in week one of the NFL season. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road in New Orleans are minus two and a half over the Saints. Uh, The Buccaneers are the heavy, heavy play here for me. I understand that the storyline is that New Orleans... And Louisiana is the house of haunted horrors for um for Tom Brady in his, you know, three year stint in Tampa now. I feel like I feel like people are overreacting a little bit. It's kinda like the Miami storyline where it was like, Oh, Miami always gives New England fits and it's like, Well, the Patriots still won seventy five percent of those games. It was just every once in a while, you know, if a game did get clunky, it was against Miami. Um, obviously the the Buccaneers are um, looking to maybe get a few more wins against the Saints what are the are the Saints four0 against him in the top in the uh, Brady era in in Tampa Bay let me pull that up real quick I think they might be um just dead air dead air yeah Brady and four against the Saints yeah um look that's that's gonna change I think that what we saw out of New Orleans you know comeback victory against Atlanta Kudos to you. I think we all expect Atlanta to not be that competitive of a team this year. And they were in control for most of that game. And I think they uh, ended up, you know, could have gone for it on a, I think it was a fourth and short in their own territory. They give it back to the Saints. Saints end up winning that game there. Um, the Saints, to me, kind of like what I was saying last week is it's, you know, it's not Sean Payton anymore. It's, it's Dennis Allen, who historically not a great run as a head coach obviously every guys are deserving of their second chances and can really take advantage of those opportunities but in terms of just trust you're gonna give me tom brady um and yes todd bowles is is kind of one of those guys that you know needed a second chance as a head coach and it's worked out for him hopefully here in tampa bay Um, and he was a great defensive coordinator with the bucks before getting elevated to this head coaching role um I am going to put the trust in those two far more than I will Jameis Winston um, and and Dennis Allen here. I thought that the defense for New Orleans last week really lacked pop. Um, they didn't get as much pressure as I thought they would with Atlanta having one of the worst offensive lines I think I've ever seen. Um, and Cordell Patterson was running it down their throats. So if the Buccaneers could play that physical style that they did with um, against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a tough front 7-2, Leonard Fournette was just punishing, um, especially when it got to that second half there, and I know that they weren't able to really cross into the end zone all that much and had to settle for a lot of field goals, but I just, I think people are too wrapped up into the storyline that that Brady can't win in New Orleans, and I don't think that this New Orleans team this year is comparable to the years before, where I think you had a lot of the stability and the aggression with, with Sean Payton, so... Give me the Buccaneers here minus two and a half. Um, I just I, I don't envision a way where after how wrong I was about the Buccaneers last week, um, and and yeah that we could say that they didn't have the best game of all time. They certainly weren't the Chiefs putting up you know forty some points. But I just if they're going to be able to move the ball in the run game like they did against Dallas, and and looking at the way the that Atlanta ran the ball uh, against New Orleans last week, I just. I don't know if uh, if they're gonna be able to muster up enough to to stop this offense. I also think looking at the secondary, you know, trading away a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, obviously they have a, a deep safety room, but um, there's going to be a weak link to that secondary where Brady is just gonna pick on someone. I don't know who it's gonna be just yet. Maybe maybe he thinks he's got a leg up on an aging Tyron Matthew, and he just picks on one safety play the entire you know uh, 60 minutes. But um, I really just the two and a half is far too low to me, and I feel like it's more narrative-based than just looking at the results and saying, on paper, who do we trust here more, um, and, and give me Brady all day over over Jameis and um, Dennis Allen. Hmm. There, okay, so going to my second game, there's a few, honestly, that I, I, I was talking to a few people beforehand, um, and this was more last night than this morning, but talking about how I really didn't love the lines, and then I've talked myself into a few of them a little bit more. Um, let's go to Denver for this next one. The Broncos at home, Mile High Stadium. It's the most advantageous time of the year to, to play a home game in Denver at high altitude. Um, it's just with, with the hotter temperatures, you can catch teams far more off guard than you will in winter times. Um, especially this early in the season as well, too, having to adjust up into that. Uh, the Broncos are one of the biggest favorites of this week. They're at minus 10 right now. I will probably buy down to minus nine and a half. Right now, I've got that on BetMGM as a crisp 120. So I don't mind laying that little bit of juice there um, to get it down into the single digits. 10 um, is not the biggest football number, but it is one of the top ones there. So I'm going to take the Broncos, minus 10. Um, I think that looking back at the Texans-Colts game, and it's funny because as much as I do want to talk about the Colts, I'm just, I'm I'm waiting. I, I need to see the Jacksonville game. I need to see the Chiefs game before we probably get into a real in-depth discussion with them. Um, but from that game, to me, if, if the Colts just really wanted to just run for a full 60 minutes, that game would have never gotten out of their hands, and they wouldn't have had to muster this massive comeback in the second half and, and mostly the fourth quarter with Matt Ryan. Um, the Texans' run defense is abysmal. And I think what we saw from Denver and their duo of Javante and Melvin and being able to work the shorter guys with you know Javante in the pass game hitting the tight ends on on short to intermediate passes. Um, I just I I think that the Broncos after what we saw from last week are going to come out hot. I think they're going to have the advantage of of you know having spent the summer in Denver as well too. Um, and you're getting a Texans team that offensively. I, I know that there were you know there was a lot of buzz over Damian Pierce heading into the season and the Davis Mills hype was there and, and Mills played an all right game against the Colts, but I just I I would say they're a even lesser version of what Seattle showed Denver in week one um, where I think that the Seahawks ran the ball better. Um, I think that you know DK and, and Tyler and the boys up there are a little bit more talented than, than Brandon Cooks and what else that they've got down there in Houston um, former Texan by the way, Brandon Cooks. But I just look at the spread and I was worried because that's so many points to give them. But I think after the lackluster showing on Monday Night Football where they're not able to get the win against a team that they were pretty heavy favorites over. And and there's a lot of narrative that went into that game. Um, But for this one, I think they take care of it. I don't see the Broncos going oh and two here and I know 10 points is a lot but I just I don't think the Texans are going to be able to muster up all that much to keep pace with the Denver uh offense so give me the Broncos minus 10 um and and yeah I'll buy it to minus nine and a half excuse me so I'll get it at at minus 9.5 at minus 120 and uh yeah Broncos pretty big victory here um, they'll get back to showing why they should be respected a little bit more um, as an AFC contender after everybody kind of wanted to shit on them for this past week. I'm actually going to give two more plays here, and I don't, like I said, there's there's some plays that I've talked myself into. I still don't love the card this week. The spreads are all in the, the dangerous Vegas zone, um, you know, even as far as like, Here's what I'll say for this week. I'm gonna be very total heavy. I'm already on a couple of overs. I'm on a few unders, like Ravens, Dolphins. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the under of Jets, Browns. I'm on the, you know, we'll just give out some quick ones, real quick. I'm on the under of Patriots, Steelers. I'm on the over of uh, Vikings, Eagles. I am on the over of Cardinals, Raiders. Like, there's just a lot of totals this week where I just, I'm, I'm just feeding and feeding, and the spreads to me are all in these weird ranges that I just don't want to take. Like, who wants to pick Patriots-Steelers with a two-point spread there? Like, that that's dangerous to me. Um, but where I will go for these final two, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna really just hit hard against the Arizona Cardinals until they prove me wrong. Um, and I know they were starting to creep their way back in in the second half, and it was a lot of just garbage time points. But I think this is going to be a get-right game for the Raiders at home in Week 2. Minus 5.5 is a yucky number, but I do think that they should win uh, pretty pretty heavily. Um, the Arizona defense was absolutely abysmal. We still don't know if J.J. Watt will be back. And the way that they decided to defend Travis Kelsey last week, with just Isaiah Simmons being all over him uh, the entire game, if they stick with that for, um, for Darren Waller, Uh, one of the props I'll put out there right now, if the line opens up, I, I have it actually, maybe, maybe it has opened up by now. It didn't last night. Perfect. 47 and a half for Darren Waller hammer, hammer, hammer time. Uh, give me, give me 50 plus yards easily for that man. Um, especially if Isaiah Simmons will be covering him for 60 minutes, but, um, I just don't think that the defensive back room in Arizona is all that great. And I think when you've got a team that You know, probably should have showed a little bit more in week one in Josh McDaniels in this new era and the offensive showing of, oh, we upgraded with Devontae. We've got a new offensive-minded head coach in here. Derek Carr, big year for him. Strong run game. Um, I I think they they fell short of their own expectations in week one. And I think they'll kind of want to pour it on here a little bit extra and get that first victory for Josh McDaniels in his second stint as a head coach. Home opener. um, Give me the Raiders, minus five and a half. And uh, if you want to take an alternate spread, take it up to double digits, because I just, I, I don't love the vibes that we're getting from Arizona right now, um, and with no DeAndre Hopkins, and, you know, Marquise Brown being okay um, working with Kyler Murray, I just, I, I was very low on the Cardinals heading into this season, I think I picked a 6-11 and or a 5-12 and finish for them, um, it was probably 6-11. and I just, this is one of those games where I think the the Raiders get right and the Cardinals really start to to show some panic. The other one that I'm just going to sprinkle out there, kind of in the same vein where it's like, do I love it? No. And I hate that I'm doing it because I love what they gave me last week, Um, but I am going to take the Panthers uh, to upset the Giants on the road here. Um, I think my main takeaway from Browns-Panthers is both these teams might be good. The Browns, without a quarterback, obviously, um, have a really talented roster and and held their own. Um, And the Panthers, you know, after a a, a, meh, really shitty first half, seems like they finally figured things out here. Here's the storyline of the week, though. Ben McAdoo revenge game. That's a joke, obviously, because he was a joke. But he's the offensive coordinator in Carolina now. He's heading up to his former stay, where he was made a laughing stock, you know. And then good for him working his way back into an offensive coordinator job. Um, they were able to put up a decent enough points in Week One with Baker in this uh, this new offense here. I think just people are riding a little bit too high on the Giants right now. And I think it was a gritty win, but it was a very lucky win. Uh, you know, Fat Randy, Playoff Randy. Or is it Fat Randy? Yeah, it's not playoff Randy. It's uh, playoff Lenny and Fat Randy. Uh, it should have made that field goal, and there should have been five other opportunities for the Titans to win that game. Um, yes, the Giants would have probably covered the five and a half at the end of the day, but uh, they there's no way that they should have felt comfortable saying, "Oh yeah, we we were in control of this game for sixty minutes." It was very lucky that they got out of Nashville uh, with a win in week one. And yes, you know the Panthers also coming in here as a team that. Should have had a win. Um, I am just going to put my trust into what I thought of these teams before week one. And if you had told me that the the Panthers are playing the Giants, you would have told me that the line was Panthers minus two and a half. And I think right now we're just playing the results a little bit too much. Overreaction week, um, half these storylines from week one will not make it past week three. And I think one of those is being that the Panthers are still lousy um, and that the Giants are a sneaky, frisky team. I think they're still a ways away. Give me the better quarterback in this one. It's not a a huge advantage for them, but I do like Baker Mayfield more than I do Daniel Jones. Um, Talented running backs in this game will be fun to watch. It'll be nice to see McCaffrey out there um, and Saquon Barkley, Uh, but give me the Panthers here. I'll take the plus two. I'm going to put them in my underdog parlay of the week, which shout out. By the way, make sure one of the biggest things that I'm doing right now is my gambling card on Twitter. I'll always tweet it out some plays. Biggest play of this past week was a um, underdog moneyline parlay between it was the Giants and the Steelers. I think it was plus 960. Um, so that one was a huge win. I'm probably gonna put the Panthers in as my lower tier uh, parlay of the week um, moneyline parlay of the week. They're only plus 105 right now, so it's really not a whole ton of juice to it. But maybe I'll take Panthers Steelers. Sprinkle a little bit on that one. And then we'll get a little frisky later in the week. We might do a little bit of a Seahawks play here with, man, I don't know. What else do we like here? We could go Seahawks and I mean Jaguars makes sense. Maybe we'll, you know what? Fuck it. Maybe we'll sprinkle the Jets in here. Maybe the Dolphins. There's a few underdogs that I don't absolutely hate, but that's not what we're talking about at this moment. Make sure to go over to my Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace for the full card. Uh, we were up. We finished the week up a couple of units, I believe. Uh, I've got the numbers right here, but we went uh, 22 and 19, up 2.71 units. It was a terrible week for spreads. It was a good week for props, totals, and then that underdog moneyline parlay definitely helped us out there as well too. So uh, make sure to check out the card for this week. We've already started off with a couple of nice wins. First half under for the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs. Minus three was a push, um, but we also had the over on Palmer Yard, so that was good to see hit as well. Um, anything else that I want to say here? I think that's going to be all. Like I said, I, I got to get to work, and we're, we're kind of close to that 30-minute range. So uh, make sure to follow all of my plays for the rest of the slate on my Twitter. Make sure to like, subscribe, share the podcast. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. Um, and, yeah, we will uh, we'll talk to you on Monday, recapping the Sunday slate. We'll take a look ahead to a fun doubleheader on Monday night and we'll uh, keep on keeping on. Thank you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace.